Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport 2, myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good evening, if you love your boxing and you love your MMA, then this is the show for you, Final Extra, where we bring you all the latest from the world of combat sports. Last week, rounded off the year in boxing. This week, we're just two days left in 2021. We are going to be reflecting on what was an unforgettable year in MMA, and I'm delighted to say that alongside me is one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick P. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to be looking back on some of the biggest moments in the sport, and we're going to try, try and pick our fight of the year, fighter of the year, I'm also going to discuss some of the sensational stoppages we've seen in the Octagon this year. Some incredible stoppages, by the way. Don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. incredible run since our last fight it's been a long time coming yes I did get the win over him the first time and um, but you know he's rose right up and he's, he's back up there at the top of the division so I'm excited to go in and compete with him again you're only a little bitch. your wife is your husband only a little bitch of a thing, a silly little hillbilly. One second He fractured on one of the checks at the beginning of the fight. Then it broke on a punch, yeah, for sure. When I pointed at him at the beginning of the fight, that's when I checked the good kick. I bet that's when it cracked. Several of those inside low kicks. Oh! 
saying your name. You were saying to yourself, I'm the best. I'm the best. I am the best. <laughs> Nick Pete, good evening, sir. How are you? Very well, thank you, buddy. Very well indeed. Merry Christmas and all our happy holidays. All that good stuff. Um, you know, I was speaking to Gareth last week. We we done sort of a, a roundup of boxing, and Gareth said um, it's the best boxing year. And we didn't have all the big fights, by the way, but he said it's the best boxing year he can remember. So many fights every single weekend, shows on different platforms. We saw some big events, stadiums sold out. You think the Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders, AJ Usyk was massive, Fury Wilder. If I was to ask you the same question about, let's just say UFC, right? That's the big, that's the Premier League of MMA. Yeah. One of the best years, a good year, not a bad year. How would you sum it up? I think it's been an absolutely phenomenal year. You know, mm. I think even forget about let's let's pretend there's no such thing as a, a global pandemic for a second. <laughs> yeah. This year would have stacked up with any year in the history of the UFC. You know, we've been going best part of three decades now, and honestly, 2021 with the fights that we've seen, the finishes, you know, the breakthrough moments, the superstars just emerging, the amount of young talent that's coming through has been frightening this year. And as always, you know, as someone that organised the World MMA Awards for for six years and my previous job. Um, you know, we've had knockout submissions and fight oh. of the years this year that would have competed with any knockout, any submission, and any fight of the year in any of those previous 30 years. It's been incredible. Yeah, and one thing I guess we can applaud Dana White for in the UFC is when that pandemic did kick in, MMA was the first, or Dana White, apologies, was the first sort of person to say, you know what, no, we're going to continue. We're going to find a way to get things going. Obviously, Fight Island happened. They moved events to the Apex Centre as well. So the way in which Dana White and the UFC has dealt with the pandemic fighters coming from all over the globe let's not forget that it's been fantastic hasn't it it's been absolutely unreal you know and not just fighters but you know just as just as sports fans in general there was a point in time earlier this year where everything stopped you know there was no sport going on there was nothing live anywhere except inside the octagon except with the ufc dana white was like a it's like a dog with a bone wouldn't he, he just would not give it up he would take he would not take no for an answer and of course, listen. There's, there's reasons why they were able to continue. You know, the most in, the most, uh, the biggest reason, I guess, is is the fact that they have their own facility, the Apex in Las Vegas, which is right next door to UFC HQ, uh, which is a purpose-built uh, indoor arena slash TV studio that they built, not necessarily for a pandemic, but obviously to be able to cater to home big host big events, very much on home soil, and never have to pay a a fee to an arena or worry about tickets or anything like that. And obviously this year with the pandemic really kicking in, I think it, it's paid for itself in spades because it just meant that the UFC, all they had to do was fly the fighters in from all over the world to their own facility, which they were able to keep locked down and keep clean and everything else. And they were able to crack on and they never missed the beat. Not a single event got postponed. That's absolutely incredible. Do you think you've seen um, sort of fighters perform differently at the Apex as opposed to when there is a massive crowd, do you think some have performed and handled it better than others? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it's been it's been crazy. We've seen Jeff Neal uh, win just the other week. The welterweight, he's a he's a, a top rank welterweight, and it was his first win in in best part of two years. He lost his previous two, and prior to that, he was on an incredible winning run. And uh, when I spoke to him in the build-up, and certainly when I spoke to him afterwards, after getting his arm raised, finally, after two defeats, he said, my two previous fights, they were both at the apex. They were both behind locked doors. I couldn't get myself motivated. And this was something that we've heard quite a lot 
The the flip side of that, of course, I will, and I'm sure we'll come on to him a little bit later when we talk about uh, debuts and people who've made a big impact this year. But look at Paddy the Baddy, our yeah. very own Paddy yeah. Pimlet. You know, I, I would hazard a guess that had he fought in London, had it been in, at the O2 Arena, which is obviously would have been the UFC's number one choice, had it been in front of 20,000, 30,000 fans with the pressure and everything else that comes with that, where he would have had to do a ton of media and everything else, would he have been able to produce that kind of performance? Mm. I'd hazard a guess that he wouldn't because... He was in Vegas. There was no media, really. It was behind closed doors. You know, it was in the middle of a lockdown. Nobody could travel. And it was basically like, uh, you know, it was, uh, I can't even say it was like he was fighting on Cage Warriors because Cage <laughs> Warriors get far bigger numbers than they get at the Apex. But it just meant the pressure was off him completely. And he was able to just do Paddy the Baddy. And of course, you know, what it went down was one of the greatest debuts in UFC history, certainly this year as well. Yeah, it really was. We definitely are going to talk about him a, a bit later. You, look, you've been at a number of events alongside Adam Catchell and doing your thing for BT Sports and Fight Disciples. Uh, what's the highlight for you this year? <sighs> Oof, goodness! Um, tough, Fight man, Island was yeah. Fight Island was uh, has been something been very incredible. special. That must have been yeah. incredible. Just going to Fight Island and being part of something where you know is just a moment in time, where people where we're going to look back historically and say, "Wow, do you remember when UFC took over? You know, the entire of Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, when nobody except fighters or or media or or people working at the event." were allowed indoors. It, the whole thing was crazy. You know, we were in the middle of a, a, a full-on lockdown here in the UK and, you know, I found myself, yes, it took eight days of, 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 of quarantine to get there, but once I got there, I was sitting on a beach, I was on a jet ski, it was crazy. <laughs> and then we got some amazing fights as well, of course. So, so obviously, Fight Island, I think, will go down in history uh, as something that I was a, a, an absolute treat and a pleasure to be at. But in terms of events, mm. The most recent event that I was at overseas was was Madison Square Garden UFC 268, which was just absolutely unreal. Was An that event Chandler that Gaethje? Yeah, it just yeah. absolutely delivered, didn't it? It was mm. insane. Some of the performances on there. The main card alone, Usman Covington was the main event. You had Rose Namajunas and Yang Wiley oh, having a war for the God. ages as well. But but you're right. Just, in fact, Shane Bergeos and Billy Quarantillo put in a oh, fight of the night gosh. on any other night. Yeah. Those guys get a $50,000 bonus yeah. any other night. Mm. But it just so happened to fit, to follow probably the greatest fight I've ever had the pleasure of covering inside the UFC, inside the Octagon. Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. For me, fight of the year could well be fight of the century. Yeah, it's almost, as soon as that fight was signed and sealed, you knew exactly what you were going to yeah. get. And that's not everything. Like in boxing sometimes, you know, you look at a fight and you think, oh, we could get it. And then it doesn't work. Chandler Gage, as soon as they as soon as they closed the octagon doors and they looked at each other, I thought, here we go. This is gonna be painful and it was, and we're gonna we're gonna to touch on that as well. <laughs> was that fight of the year? Was that fight of the decade? It, it probably ticked all the boxes. Uh low lights, uh, unfortunately, uh, like any sport, there are gonna be some low lights as well. I'll give you mine and then you can give me yours. My low light was John Jones. Um again, we, we haven't seen John Jones in the octagon this year, which is which is incredible to think. He's going up to heavyweight, he's had his problems um, outside the cage as well. But to see what I think is the greatest MMA artist of all time have this kind of year where we don't see him in the ring, uh, sorry, don't see him in the octagon, and he's still, you know, he's still relatively young when you think about John Jones. I think that has to be my low light, it really is. Um, it's so disappointing to see what John's going through. And I only hope that, you know, he, he can come back and he, he can compete, and if it isn't in the heavyweight division, so be it. But yeah, John Jones has to be my low light of 2021. 
Yeah, of course, absolutely. You know, without getting into his his own personal problems, and mm. he's he's had his, he's had issues for a long time. You know, he's yeah, yeah. you know he'd he'd like to think he's a little bit more. Uh, he a bit more like Lennox. He a dream, doesn't he, though? Every time he, he does. Has a, he, has a, he has a low light. He kind of, he says something on Instagram or he, he comes out and says a speech and you think, oh, he's over it now. And yes, come on, John. And it doesn't work. No. And I, listen, I've known John Jones for a long time. I've been covering his fights for the best part of 15 years. And uh, I've been around John. Uh, mm. And I know him, for, you know, he is, he is an incredible athlete. He's an incredible mixed martial artist. I'm with you, Addy. For me, he's the, the greatest of all time. Such a natural talent. There was one stage in time when he was doing the the one thing that, that he's put on the planet to do, and that's fight inside the octagon. Mm. When he was on a run of just Hall of Fame and after Hall of oh, Fame, and he was just God. running through legend after legend <laughs> after legend, and he had that incredible fight with Alexander Gustafsson. Oh. And, you know, he, he was just untouchable, and it was unbelievable. And then... Unfortunately, you know, things outside of the octagon continue to got out of hand and out of hand and there's more negative stories than positive stories. And then unfortunately, as you say, this year, you know, I'm all for John moving up to light heavyweight. I'm all for John Jones, you know, really defining that legacy and going down in history as the greatest of all time by adding gold in the heavyweight division. However, right now, I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I think John Jones needs to get his personal life on track because... You know, when when other people's lives are being impacted by your actions, then I think it's about time you take some responsibility for your actions. And unfortunately, I think he's got away with far too much over the years. So, so right now, yeah, one hundred percent agree. That's my my disappointment. Biggest disappointment is that we haven't seen John Jones be John Jones in the octagon. But unfortunately, we have seen him be John Jones outside of the octagon. So, hopefully, he gets himself sorted out because. It's, the sport's not quite the same without a minute because no. there's a, there's a shadow there where you kind of go on. Is that you know Kamara Usman at the moment? Most people would consider him pound for pound the best fighter on the planet. But it's a weird time because there's two other guys. There's John Jones, who's you know his own worst enemy, and then there's a a little Dagestani fella called Habib <laughs> who's decided he doesn't want to fight anymore. But most people would probably argue that he's still the best fighter on the planet. Mm. Do you think John might have missed the opportunity very quickly on John? Like, you know, we talk about him going to heavy and I think he should have done it ages ago. And I thought Stipe stylistically could have been a good fight for him. Stipe's not as big as some of the giants walking around now. Do you think he might have missed the opportunity to claim gold at heavy? Now you look at the size of the monsters in that division. Yeah, I think the biggest threat for me isn't necessarily uh, was was never uh, Stipe and and maybe even not even Francis and Ganeo as well. Even though Francis is absolutely massive, and he you know he could absolutely knock John Jones out with one strike. Of course he could. I didn't. I don't think he's got the technical ability to live with John Jones. Mm. However. There's a new and improved version out of France called Cyril Gann, yeah. who has got the technical ability to work <laughs> and to, to compete with John Jones. So so you might be right, Addy. 2021 could have been that golden moment, that moment where he won the belt, broke through, and got ahead of the pack just before the likes of Ghana, just before, hopefully, our own Tom Aspinall makes that breakthrough, because these guys are good enough technically to live with John Jones and have the size advantage as well. Yeah, they certainly do. All right, great start. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to be picking our fighter of the year and also our knockout finish of the year as well. But up next, we're going to kick things off with our fight of the year. Ovation for the athletes here in Houston as round two gets underway. Chandler working off of that jab early.
in, then you're listening to Find Extra here on TalkSport 2. Adi Ladupa alongside Nick Pete from Fight Disciples are with you. It's our end-of-year special. We're looking back on the year in the UFC. We're going to kick things off now. This is It's not easy, this. I love these subjects. Our Fight of the Year. Now, Nick, me and you at the top there touched on what was, I think, the Fight of the Year. We can talk about others, but Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, UFC 268. I mean, talk about getting your money's worth. I know me when you pay for these pay-per-views and people in America moan because the prices are a bit crazy. But this is the one where it was like, just take my money because I know exactly what Justin's going to give me. Michael's going to live up to Michael from Bellator and he's done that very, very well. Easily. There's been some good ones. But for me, yeah. that is fight of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it could well go down as fight of the decade. It was fitting <laughs> that it took place took place in uh, at Madison Square Garden, the home of the fight of the century, of course, with Ali and Frazier. So mm. it was fitting that it was in there. But what people need to realise was this was the fight of the year. For me, hands down, fight of the year, yes. It was the first ca- fight on a five-fight main card. That was the fi- that was the opening bout. This, welcome to the UFC pay-per-view. Here's your first fight, fight of the century. Great. Here's another couple of great. Here's two, a couple of title fights and another fight of the night contender as well. It was absolutely that entire card was Ridiculous. unreal. But Ridiculous. then when we when we think about the UFC though, think about you know the numbered events are the big events. So that mm. that was obviously UFC 268. And and generally the way to look at it is if if you're new to UFC, anyone listening, uh, a UFC UFC will do a numbered event pretty much once a month, kind of think of it like that. Once a month, they do a, a 267 or a 268, a numbered event, and that's where your title fights are. That's where generally your biggest fights are. Mm. At UFC 266 in September, we got Volkanovski versus Ortega, Ortega an absolute <laughs> war. Incredible. Nobody knows how Volkanovski he survived that guillotine. He got locked in a guillotine, and I swear... He was breathing out of his ears. I've never seen it before. <laughs> I've never seen it since. But the man was breathing out of his ears to survive. He was a- able to hold his breath long enough that Ortega's arms burnt out from the submission okay. before his brain ran out of oxygen. It was absolutely unreal. That was 266, Addy. Then 267, which was in Abu Dhabi. We had another contender with Petty Yan against Corey Sandhagen. Absolute war. That was the co-main event. It was unbelievable. And the following weekend, we had 268 where Chandler Gaethje went down. That is the UFC. That's what the UFC does. That's insane. Absolutely ridiculous. When you say it like that, honestly, I mean, Dana White must just go home and think, this is ridiculous. And that's what I guess why we love, as much as Dana White gets some stick, we love it. There was an interview the other day. I don't know who asked him the question, but someone asked him about a fighter not fighting. He was like, who, who's not fighting? Uh, okay, we'll see. Dana White lays the law down and gives you what you want. He really does. You know what? You, you're talking about the numbered events, 256, Figueredo versus Moreno. Uh, their first fight, which was just... It was a draw. I thought Moreno might have nicked it, but again, these guys are going toe-to-toe with each other. And it, honestly, the UFC is just delivering... Big fight after big fight after big fight. And that's why you speak to, you know, a lot of American fight fans and they'll they tell you now it's, it's overtaken boxing. Don't get me wrong, boxing has yeah. the ability to come back and put on the big shows for us if it wants, if it can. But again, the UFC now, every single numbered event delivers. Every single numbered event. And they're stacked as well. It isn't like boxing where you just tune in, unfortunately, for the main event if you're a casual fan. You, you know, you, you, you briefly skip past the other stuff, but the main event's the one you tune in for. As you just mentioned, Chandler Gaethje was the opening fight of a main event card. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
it's insane. And, and listen, you know, I think part of the reason why, you know, Gareth was saying on last week's show that the boxing review show of the year saying that boxing's absolutely stepped up. I think part of the reason boxing has stepped up is because it's competing with the UFC. I wouldn't necessarily mean it's competing uh, with with our generation or the generation above, but the young generation, you know, this, this, this generation now, which is aged between like 16 and 25 or whatever it may be, mm. they want, they want, content to deliver that's why they're that's why they are consumed by the ufc because every fight's a real fight every event is a stacked event every 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 athlete that steps inside their octagon has an opportunity to win a fifty thousand dollar bonus whether you're the main event or whether you're the curtain jerker opening the show and that means the entire event delivers now boxing's looked at that and gone right we've got to pull our socks up we've got to start delivering and i think boxing has absolutely been inspired by the ufc and what the ufc is doing now Again, you're right. UFC comes under a lot of criticism, mostly from boxing fans and from from fighters who say, "Listen, why why does you know Francis Ngannou get five hundred thousand pounds when he headlines defending his heavyweight title, and Anthony Joshua gets fifty million? You know, why does it work like that? Why does it work like that? And of course, that's because the discrepancy on what the UFC choose to pay. The UFC is run like the the NFL. It's not like boxing with free agents everywhere. They're basically employees, even though they're not. Mm. <clears throat> so there's one banner for them to compete under. However, the other argument is <clears throat> boxing stopped during the middle of the pandemic. Why? because it doesn't have the resources yeah. to put on Fight Island. It doesn't have the resources to have its own Apex facility. Okay, we got Eddie Ann's back garden, which was kind of a version of it, but that's only a short-term thing. Mm. They've got a purpose-built TV studio arena. Why? Because they take a bigger slice of that pie. Kind of, from Fight Fan's perspective, I get it. We're, we're upset. We want our athletes to be paid as much money as possible, especially fighters. I am fully signed up that they need more money, deserve more money. But there's also <clears throat> a line of thinking where the UFC are able to continue to put on the best fights every single week without missing a beat all over the planet because they've got these resources that boxing simply hasn't got. So we've got to kind of meet somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. There's got to be a meet in the middle. Sometimes I do, look, you know, get your worth. If you, if you feel like you can get 20 million, go out and get it. But some of the best fights in boxing aren't happening because of the dollars, right? I mean, fighters are asking yep. for, for maybe too much money now. It just doesn't yep. generate that kind of money. Pay-per-view sales and, and you know, bums on seats don't do it. Whereas, I guess, the UFC might be underpaying, but they know what they're doing. It's a business that's been growing and growing and growing. And I feel like the smart people behind it clearly know what they're doing. Another fight I just want to quickly mention, if we can, Nick, Max Holloway, who for me is always in fantastic fights. Not necessarily, though, wars with Holloway. When you think of some of his best fights, they're not wars, they're, they're technical fights, really. I mean, he even embarrasses fighters, some of them. Um, but that yeah. fight against Jair Rodriguez, uh, a fight yeah. night one, not a numbered event, was, was brutal. I mean... Just, just just brutal. I mean, seeing Max's face, I laugh, but I'm, I'm not laughing. I'm more like just how, how scary it was to see Max's face after and yeah, Rodriguez's face after as well. Again, you don't get Max in those type of fights, but Max showed that when he can or when you ask him to have that kind of fight, he can turn up and do it that way as well. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I think we've seen him put on what I would describe probably as the performance of the year at the start of the year Calvin in January on Fight Island, yeah, he fought yeah. Calvin Cater and produced an absolute <laughs> five-round masterclass where, where you, you just had to sit back and <laughs> applaud what you were watching because it was as if Max Holloway had the cheat codes to the game and you <laughs> yeah. fell for Calvin Cater, you know. He, he knew all the trick moves and Calvin Cater didn't know anything. He'd done the same thing but with then, Ortega a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. 
Exactly. And then he goes and fights Yar Rodriguez and you're expecting a similar performance and then suddenly you get something completely different. You get the two of them toe-to-toe, an absolute war for five rounds. All credit to Yar Rodriguez, who's been criticised in the past for maybe avoiding opponents and not taking the big fights. Well, there's no bigger fight, you could argue, in this featherweight division than Max Holloway. And, mm. you know, to, to go toe-to-toe with Holloway in the manner in which he did, all the credit in the world to Yar Rodriguez. But kind of like Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler, when you're watching a fight like that, Addy, I'm sure you feel the same way. You kind of look at both combatants and you think, will they ever be the same again? Yeah. yeah. How much of that person has been left inside that octagon? I, I truly believe Michael Chandler will never be the same fighter again after what he went through with Justin Gaethje. Sometimes the victor, you know, I think that adrenaline rush, I think that momentum of victory, you may be able to recover from it. But I think certainly when you're in a fight of the year contender and you've been you've given everything for 25 minutes and the other guy gets his hand raised or Gail gets his hand raised in terms of Rose and Wiley went to war as well. Mm. I think there's always an element of will that fighter ever be the same again? And for that reason, um, that's why they deserve more money, isn't it? That's yeah. why they deserve these $50,000 bonuses and so much more because... They're leaving a little piece of themselves inside that ring, inside that octagon for our pleasure. And we love them for it. But I don't think sometimes in fights like this, will Yard Rodriguez ever be the same again? I don't know. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of when you, you mentioned the females there, Joanna Jendajic and that fight she had with Whaley as well, where the hematoma's on the side of her face and it, the head just swelled up. And I, I, as much as it was the fight of the year, it was, uh, I think, 2020. It's just, you can't have those wars. You can't, I mean... The body's not built for taking punishment like that. Quick word on Max, just before we, we end this one. Um, I, I still think Max is the best in the division. I know it's crazy because he's lost twice to Volkanovski. Yeah. What do you think Dana does with Max now? I mean, do we see a trilogy with Volkanovski? Is there enough in it to sell it as a trilogy? Especially considering the second fight. I 100% thought he won the second fight. The first fight you can give to Volkanovski. For me, he won the second. Do we see a trilogy fight between them next year, you think? I think we've got to, you know, I think Volkanovski's proved with that, with that gutsy performance against Ortega that he's absolutely worthy of being the champion. I think mm. Max Holloway with the performance against Cater and again, the gutsy performance against Rodriguez this year. I think we put 12 months between them now and I think, yeah. I think that's yeah. more than enough time to go, okay, quite clearly you guys are the top one and two on the planet. And yes, Volkanovski had his arm raised in the first two fights, but I'm 100% with you, Addy. I think it was a bit shocking that uh, Max didn't win the second fight. I actually thought Max edged the first fight as well. So mm-hmm. for me personally, I've seen them fight for 10 rounds and I actually think Max Holloway has got the better of those 10 rounds. So it's it's just a shame really uh, that they haven't got at least a split there because mm. you know if you're Team Volkanovski, you think, okay, I'll go into a trilogy fight with Holloway, but if I win this one, surely that's done. And the crazy thing is if he was to win another very close points decision... Yes, it'd be three 0 to Volkanovski, but it just would not tell the story of their trilogy, you know. And I think they could go on to fight each other five times, and I'd pay to watch every single one of them. Absolutely, you really would, especially considering how those two fight. All right, this is Final Extra on Talksport Two. Still to come, we're going to be picking our knockouts and finishes of the year. But up next, this is going to be. I said it's not going to be easy. There is a standout one. I think we're going to select our 2021 Fighter of the Year. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. We go to the judges' scorecards for decision. The judges score the contest 48-47, 48-47, and 49-46 for the winner by United. Decision and still the undisputed UFC welterweight champion of the world, Kabaru, the Nigerian Lessons to find extra here on TalkSport 2, Adi Oladipo and Nick Peter with you. It's our end of year special and looking back on the year in UFC. Uh, Chandler Gaethje was our fight of the year. It's time now to discuss the fighter of the year. Um, Nick, it's always an interesting uh, debate, this one, because uh, what do you go for? Do you go for that one special victory? Do you go for someone that's had a good body of work? Do you look at the champions and see who's done the the, the best business? Um, it's difficult not to look at Kamara Usman, right? I mean... Again, with Khabib now retired and we don't know what's going on with John Jones, he is, I think, easily the pound for pound number one um in the in the in the sport. Three fights this year for Kamara as well. He's starting to starting to lap his opponents now. Good wins. Jorge Masvidal, that knockout. Kobe. Those fights with Kobe. I think they could fight ten times, by the way. And it's always gonna be like that between him and Kobe. Kobe deserves a lot of respect. Uh, so it's been a really good year, I think, for Kamaru. Um, if it isn't Kamaru, who could it be? Um, I think you're right. I think what stands Kamaru aside uh, apart is the fact that compared to the other guys, I would mention, I would, I would certainly put Cyril Gann in there. I think Cyril Gann mm. has come come from absolutely nowhere to become the interim heavyweight champion. You know, I think we knew he had the talent, but uh, we weren't too sure whether he was going to be able to break through this year or not. But obviously, 
you know, he's got the big fight ahead of him now with his with his former teammate, of course, for all the gold. But I think he's had a phenomenal year. <clears throat> he's the only other person I can think of at the top of the sport that's had three wins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beat Jorginho Rosenstruck, beat Alexander Volkov, and then, of course, won the interim belt with that knockout of Derek Lewis. Uh, what's holding Gam back, I think, is that it's been a little bit technical first rather than the kind of finishes that we've seen from Kamaru. You know, Gilbert Burns, February, his former teammate, knocked him out in three rounds. Jorge Masvidal, boom, oh, knocked out cold with one of the knockouts of the year. That was in April. Uh, that was phenomenal stuff. And then, of course, he uh, he outpoints Colby Covington with a, with a completely one-sided performance for me in New York on that Geishi Chandler bill. So he has had a phenomenal year, Kamaru Usman. However, oh. however oh. I will put another name in there. Because, do you know, what I, oh, I believe, and I, listen, I think Usman's pound for pound the best fighter on the planet. However, I think, for me, Kamara Usman went into all those three fights as favourites. I fancied them to beat Gilbert Burns. Yeah, yeah. I fancied them to beat Masvidal, who's best workers at the weight division below. And I even fancied them to beat Colby Covington in the rematch. But I, I know, know, I know he who won- you're going to say. I know who you're going <laughs> to say. Had it had his performance against Tony Ferguson happened in January and not December of last year, <laughs> Wait, we're moving had he managed post, three yeah. wins, yeah, had he made, managed three wins in the calendar year rather than two, I don't think there's any question that Charles Oliveira would yeah. have been fighter of the year. I think the only thing holding him back is that he only had two wins this year rather than three. But I would say he went into the Michael Chandler fight, lost the first round convincingly, could even be a 10-8 round, and then came back in the second to become UFC champion with that sensational finish. And then he went into the Dustin Poirier fight just in December to uh, to, to, to unify his reign, uh, to close it out against the guy that most people considered the best lightweight on the planet in Dustin Poirier, and to go in there and to absolutely beat Dustin up and get that finish again. Close first round, but phenomenal second round from Charles Oliveira. In the third round, he gets the rear naked choke. I don't know. Listen, I, I've been to, I've been called a Kamaru hater in the past, and I, I think with those really? finishes, yeah, I just think he's been safety first. But yeah. we ne- he wasn't safety first this year, Kamaru Usman. Mm. I would say that was Cyril Gant. I think Kamaru Usman has been phenomenal this year. However. I just think Oliveira done it from an underdog position in both cases. So I don't know, man. I think I could flip a coin. I'd probably go with Kamaru, but I think Charles Oliveira's pushed them close this year, Addy. Yeah, you're right. Look, I mean, if, and as you say, if that Tony Ferguson win was just this side of the year, then you're right. That the three performances and the way in which he, he, he sort of dismantled Tony Ferguson as well, you would give it to Charles Oliveira. But it's difficult. I mean, there's not many fighters, and you said, especially at the top of the table, that are having three fights in a year. Not many do it. Yeah. And Kamara's doing it. And then again, earlier in his career, even going back last year, people accused of him, of, you know, being safety first and a lot of his wrestling and almost that kind of lay and pray style. Now, though, he's going out and he's stopping people. He's literally starching them now. He looks a bit <clears> bigger, <throat> a bit stronger. I mean, he he's, he probably only weighs 170 for about a minute. He, he's, he's a massive, like, <laughs> he really isn't. He's a massive welterweight. Yeah. Uh, Jorge looks small. Kobe looks small in the ring with him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Kamaru. You know, I do want to mention, yeah. and she's not going to get um, much plaudits just because th- there is no one that can compete with her. Valentina Shevchenko. She, she barely loses a round, a minute, apologies, in her fights. I mean, two fights this year, Jessica Andrade and, and Lauren Murphy. And she's just so dominant. And look, I wanted, I was desperate to see her uh, go in uh, one more time for the trilogy against Amanda Nunes. I don't know if that's going to happen now. I wonder if she's going to maybe try and have the fight with Juliana Pena because I think that's a good matchup for Valentina. But I think she deserves a mention just because she's just so dominant. 
She, she's so good in her division. I don't know what they're going to do with her at the UFC. They always seem to find someone to compete with them, but I don't know what they're going to do with her. But I think she deserves a mention for two, two just two dominant victories uh, so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think she's been, I, I personally think she's technically the best fighter on the planet. And I've, mm. I'm not just saying that now because Amanda Nunes has been beaten. I've been saying that for a long time that I think she's technically pound for pound. She's a better fighter than Amanda Nunes, even though when she fought Amanda Nunes, albeit at Nunes's weight division, she lost those fights. Mm. Uh, the second fight was really close. And really, I think, really uh, close, I, yeah. Yeah, I think Shevchenko for me is the best female fighter on the planet. So I think what's the only thing that's held the girls back, similar case with Rose Nami Yunus as well, is just not being as active as Kamara Usman. Two wins this year for Rose as well. Both performances against Zhang Wiley. She won the belt back uh, from her. That was in April in Jacksonville. That was a phenomenal head kick. One of the head kick knockouts, one of the knockouts of the year, sorry, Never mind, uh, you know, and then to come back against Yang Wiley and have that split decision in New York again mm. on the Chandler Gaethje card, which was absolutely the card of did the year. Did you think she won that fight, Nick? I did personally, okay, yes. Okay. Although, listen, I, there was a real argument that Yang Wiley won it. You know, it was a it was a flipper coin fight, which is why you know I think the judges did score it a split decision mm. for that reason. It was super close. I thought Rose just edged it, but did you did you go with Zhang Wiley on the Yeah, night? I did, I did. I don't know why. I thought she might have just edged it, but you, you watch it again. And you know what the thing is? I love Rose. I, I love everything about her. Um, and sometimes I feel that clouds my my judgment when I score yeah. a fight for her just because she's such a nice person, the way in which she, she loves the sport and the way in which she almost... Got, you know what it is? Years ago when she cut the, the long blonde hair and thought, you know what, no, I'm not going under my yeah. looks. I'm going to go and show you my ability. And just that alone kind of made me a big favourite of her. So every time I score a fight, I feel like... If it's close, I say Rose. Whereas maybe I need to score it correctly, and maybe. And when I did score it correctly, I I, I kind of just edged it to Whaley. I did. I don't know they're going to go a trilogy now. Probably not, uh, just because it is now two defeats. But um, I do think I'd like to see them guys get it on again. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and I think listen, I think there'll be people listening as well, uh, screaming the name Juliana Pena. You know, yeah, she had a fantastic yeah. performance against Amanda Nunes. Nobody. Absolutely nobody seen that coming just a couple of weeks ago when they fought at 269. Amanda Nunes, massive, massive favourite. Probably the biggest upset of the year inside the UFC. Um, probably the biggest upset in the history of women's MMA, to be totally honest with you, because you know I think even when <clears throat> Ronda Rousey got beat by Holly Holm, mm. I think we all give Holly Holm you know, enough of a chance being a former champ, you know, former boxing champion and having so much ability. But I don't think anybody really gave Juliana Pena much chance against Amanda Nunes on December the 11th. And to not only win, but to get the finish the way she did, to choke her out in the second round. I think Juliana Pena, this has been the best year of her life. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think all eyes now are on 2022 because no doubt the rematch Will be will come into play because Nunes was so dominant for so long, and mm. I tell you what, if Juliana Pena can do it again, oh, yeah, oh, it'd be incredible. But yeah, going back, Amanda, when I don't know, obviously, look, some people handle defeats differently, but I remember even Anderson Silva when he lost the belt, it was almost like, ah, oh, had it for so yeah. long, the pressure of defending it, all the media work I've got to do just to become chair, and I felt like Amanda almost felt like that as well, like, ah, oh, it's okay. It's, it's good. Now I get the fire back up me and we'll see what happens in the rematch. A quick one on, on Kamaru, um, just before we move on. If Izzy wasn't in the middleweight division, and we know how close him and Izzy are, um, I get it, Nigerian brothers, and I, I understand the whole thing. Would he have gone to middleweight, do you think, Kamaru? 100%, mm. you know, and, and, and listen, I, I get it. I hear what you're saying, but 
They should get it on still. <laughs> Mate, Gil- Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is his former trainer partner. Yeah. You know, Gilbert Burns used to, used to spend holidays with him. Their, their families are close. Their partners know each other. Their kids have mixed together. And, mm. you know, it, it doesn't get much closer than that. And I get the way, you know, I, I get it. I get the way Kamara Usman and, and Israel Adesanya have got this incredible bond mm. from, from, their, from their family and everything else. I get that. However, this is fight business. This is show business. Israel Adesanya does not put bread on Kamaru Usman's table or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Israel Adesanya's legacy should not define Kamaru Usman's legacy. We know in, in, in 10, 20 years' time, Kamaru Usman can't, doesn't want to look back and go, well, I could have been a two-way champion, but my mate was around at that time. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. Mm. You've got to define your own legacy if you want to go down as one of the greatest of all time. To be honest with you, to to break through these days, you've got to be a d- get, double champ. You've, you've got, got to be a to be. Ju- yeah, you've got to be a double champ. You've got mm. to have two belts. You've got to have done it in two different weight divisions. You've got to have gone outside of your comfort zone and given away the natural advantages to other guys in other weight divisions that are you know bigger, stronger, faster, whatever it may be, and prove it there. Why? Because people have done it now. Connor's done it. DC's done it. Triple C's done it. You know, Amanda Nunes <laughs> Amanda has done Nunes it. Has done it. Yeah. Right. yeah. So if you want to join that club, if you want to, when you hang up your gloves, eventually say, "Well, I was the greatest of all time," or "I want to be in the greatest of all time conversation," then you've got to do it in two weight divisions. I, th- I honestly believe that will be the thing that, in future, will be talked about Habib yeah, and talked down about Habib to 100%. go, yeah, well, he was good, but, you know, he was only ever good in his own weight class. Mm. And I think that's going to hold him back. I think that his legacy will be tarnished forever mm. because he didn't push himself in another weight division. I don't want that for Kamara Usman. I spent too long criticising Kamara Usman for being boring. And now he's delivering. Now he's finishing fights. I am the biggest fan. Now I want to know how good he actually is. Now I want to know, can, is he tried to do it? Is he tried to go up to light heavyweight? It was too big a step for him. I don't. Th- I think Kamara Usman should say, "Listen, we may well be brothers, but we'll put that to one side for twenty-five minutes while I define my legacy." Oh, all right. This is Final Extra on Talksport Two, and that was our twenty twenty-one Fighter of the Year in the UFC. Kamara Usman taking gold. Will he though become a double champion? That's what we're asking for for twenty twenty-two. All right. Next up, we're going to be picking our knockouts and our finishes of the year. You're listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Lodipo and Nick Pete from Fight Disciples are with you. It is our end of year special. We're looking back on the year in the UFC. Um, so many good things as well happened so far on the show. Kamara Usman, our fighter of the year. Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, our fight of the year. Time now to discuss our finish of the year. Um, we heard a couple there in the package. Um, we've had some good ones, haven't we? Nick? I mean, there's been so many. I love a walk away. I love a knockout walk away. You know, the guy's done. Yeah, you yeah. just gotta, you're on your bike and you kind of walk away. And we've had a few, a few of those ones. You know, I was watching um, a, a card that maybe went under the radar in the apex, 
and it was um, Ignacio Bahamondes versus oh. Roosevelt Roberts. And that's he done like a spinning wheel kick that was just on the button. Like Uriah Hall on the button. Like Uriah Hall's the king of the spinning wheel kicks. And I think this might have topped it. It was just as clean as a whistle. And he was getting lit up in that fight a bit as well. And that just came yeah. from nowhere. Bang. I mean, sorry to start yeah. at the top, but that might be my knockout of the year. It really might. Yeah, I think I remember the one you're talking about. You know, it was absolutely incredible. And <clears throat> I think when you're talking about knockout of the year, it has to be one shot, doesn't it? You yeah, know, you can't yeah. follow somebody to no, the ground. It no, can't be three no, or four punches. No, it can't punches. be that, no. <laughs> you know, it's got to be one shot, good night, Vienna, click, the lights are out. <laughs> and that's exactly what Bahamondes did. You know, he was he was walking Roosevelt Roberts down through mm. a veil of blood. He had all his blood all over his face where he'd yep. been beaten from pillar to post. And then suddenly, kind of out of nowhere, he just threw this spinning wheel kick Absolute perfection. The foot can clean connection mm. with Roosevelt Roberts's chin, and his lights just got switched out on the out. moment of impact. It was very similar to the Edson Barbosa knockout Ooh. on my mate Terry Etam from a Ooh. few years ago. That was oh god, that's brutal. I was pitching it again. That one, you don't, that one, you could count for forty seconds. You're not getting up. You're out. I still see. I still. I, see Terry regularly now you know we train at the same gym and uh, I still see him regularly and we I've never ever mentioned it to him since Good. because I don't uh, that that kind of knockout you're never the same again you know you're, ne you're never the same fighter because you're, you're, you're trusting your own chin completely goes and that's going to be interesting when Roosevelt Roberts you know gets his legs back under him and returns to the octagon because uh, a knockout like that stays with you for a long time because it becomes a highlight reel it becomes mm. a moment in time for the ufc on the on the show reels that that fight that knockout sorry the bahamondes knockout will be one of those knockouts that you see in the opening credits of the ufc for years and years to come 100 percent, without a shadow of a doubt you know when you talk about a fight and not being the same fighter again after a knockout i do wonder about this man who was so close to claiming light heavyweight gold dominic reyes do you remember that yeah. spinning back elbow from yuri prochaska that put yeah. Dominic Reyes to sleep and he just slumped on the floor as well. And he was taking a beating in that fight anyway. And I just look at Dominic Reyes and think, some people thought he beat John Jones. And, you know, he could have been UFC light heavyweight champion. And now I must feel like with a knockout like that and the beating he took, I'm worried about him. That honestly has to go as, as one of the best knockouts of the year as well. It was, the elbow was with every bit of force it could be with. And it, oh, again, lights out immediately, slumped to the floor, blood everywhere. And I was like, oh, God, he might not be the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. But I'm just thinking back to it then, just thinking, my God, it was absolutely gorgeous. Wasn't it? it was absolutely perfect. We are brutal, aren't we? But what a moment, you're right. And Prozhozhka, he can do that to anybody. You yeah. know, he's got that kind of, he's got that skill set. He's got that finishing ability. And he's very that good, spin and elbow was just absolutely phenomenal. I think one guy who's had a tough year this year has been Corey Sandhagen, but he did start the year with a phenomenal flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar. Oh, and it was like tw yeah. 28 seconds into the first round. Literally the first thing he did was a flying knee and, uh, you know, uh, to do it against, I think sometimes as well, we've got, when you're, when you're looking at these knockouts, Okay, the Bahamondes thing was was special. It was something out of a video game, out of a, a ninja movie. But he's fighting with all due respect, Roosevelt Roberts. It's yeah, early on yeah. the card. It's at the apex. 
when you're talking about flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar in the first 30 seconds, mm. this is Frankie Edgar, the guy's going into the Hall of Fame, yeah. former two-time lightweight champion of the world. You know, you've got to look at the, the level of competition. Likewise, the Rose Namajunas head kick knockout in oh, the first fight the with way Wiley. Which her legs Buckled. Oh my goodness! Oh, beautiful, wow. beautiful. Because I was so high and still am on Zhang Weili. I watch all her videos. The way she trains, it's just brutal. Like, honestly, like a beast. And I, I was scared for Rose going into that fight. I have to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And the way in which that head kick landed, I was like, oh, Rose is Rose is incredible. Rose is incredible, beautiful. But again, <laughs> there was a follow up, wasn't there? I'm not taking away from it, but yes. there was a couple of follow ups after. I don't know whether there needed to be, <laughs> but, but there certainly was a couple of follow-ups, yeah. But again, just to put that fight into context, it's like, if you'd have said to, if, if we'd have had a conversation beforehand and said, looked into the future here, someone's getting knocked out in the first minute, we'd have both gone, Rose. oh my goodness, Rose. Rose, Rose is getting knocked out. Mm. <clears throat> so when, when the tables get turned like that, that, that again adds to the gravitas of the knockout, doesn't it? Because you're like, mm. wow, Rose Namajunas has just knocked out Zhang Wiley, who's a machine, machine with a single head kick. It's absolutely phenomenal. So, and there's been a few of them this year, you know, it, again, the Sandhagen one, and again, Usman, Kamara Usman's knockout of Masvidal. It has to be You will there. not see a cleaner, right hand oh all year in a boxing ring in an octagon doesn't matter you will not see a cleaner shot land than that it was and if you're again, talking magnitude shot, out. yeah if you're talking yeah. magnitude as well i mean again big arena i mean massive fight might in terms of pay-per-view numbers might be one of their biggest fights it might be the biggest of the i'm trying to yeah. think of a, a bigger fight than that actually this year um Jorge masvidal all the excuse, not excuses but rightly so in the first fight didn't get time to prep you know only got the call and what a couple of weeks notice to cut all that weight Said he's ready for this one. He's ready. Let's go. And to get starched like that. And I remember about 15 seconds before he got hit with one. And he kind of done a little wobble like, hey, that didn't do anything. Like, hey, is that all you've got? And then Kamara to land that. And then Kamara definitely wanted to follow up, didn't he? I mean, he didn't need to. Yeah. But he's like, you know what? You're going to take these. Take these two giant hammer fists to your brain as well. That has to be right out there under the knockouts. Not just of this year, but of a long time. The way in which Orge's body just folds. Oh, yeah. man, he might not come back well. He, you know, when you talk about fighters that might not be the same, and look, Jorge's had loads of defeats, so I, I guess we, we kind of look at him differently anyway, but he might not be the same either after that knockout. No, it's one thing losing on points for Usman, but to get back in there and, and get the one thing happen to you that, that you're famous for, you know, I think that was only the second knockout of Masvidal's career, certainly mm. the the, mo the last one in about a decade. And it's no surprise to me that Masvidal's, you know, all over his social media talking up a fight with Jake Paul now. Yeah, but I yeah. think that's kind of that's kind of where he's at. I think there's no way he will ever beat or even get the opportunity to face Kamaru Usman again. Mm. And I think there's too many killers in this welterweight division for him to campaign again. If I was, if I was, um, Oh, hey, Masvidal, I'd get that BMF belt back out and start talking about 100%. Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz. But it seems to be a, a no-brainer to me. But anyway, he's, uh, he's he's focused on on Jake Paul. There you go. I, I dare him to get the BMF belt at and call, oh. out, and call out a, a Swedish guy with Connor. a beard. Call no, Connor. Hamzat. I, oh, dare yeah, him, yeah. I dare him to call out the real, <laughs> the real BMF of the UFC right now, Hamzat. Just before we end, uh, Nick, um, we're talking about stars in the UFC. Obviously, look, for the last few years, it has been dominated by Connor. Um, Jorge done, I, I feel, fantastically well in 2020. Sort of, they unearthed him really again, right? He done really good numbers for them. When, when you look at the, the landscape now, who is that star? Who is the one moving the needle? We've had so many, Ronda, 
John Jones. DC done good numbers. Obviously, Connor led the revolution. Khabib's now retired. Who's the star now, do you think, going into the next year? Yeah, I think that's the that's the, the incredible position that the UFC are in right now is that, you know, we are in very much in a transition period on who the big pay-per-view star is. I think Connor's, Connor will always be Connor. Connor will always generate a lot of interest. And if he's able to come back and compete once again, I'm more of a Connor versus Masvidal, Connor versus Diaz, yeah, yeah. Connor versus Nick Diaz. I, I'm, I'm more of that world for Connor these days. Mm. I don't believe he can p- compete at the very top of the sport, but that's the beauty of the UFC and the way it's set up. You know, you, you, it's not necessarily just the champions that carry the pay-per-view events. It is fighters like Nate Diaz. It is fighters like Jorge Masvidal, cult heroes, Cowboy Cerrone for many years are able to carry these big events just on star power alone. Mm. Uh, I think right now, I think getting the winner of Nganu versus Gan, I think ultimately becomes a pay-per-view star. I think John Jones, competing against the winner of that fight is a huge fight for the UFC this year uh, in 2022. So I think there's loads of incredible options there for them. But also, I think, you know, you've got to look at the stars coming through, the likes of your... Um, Sugar Sean Sugar O'Malley. Sh- yep. Sugar Sean O'Malley and Chase Super and people like this. And, of course, our very own Paddy the Baddy and Ian Gary, who both made incredible first-round knockout debuts this year. Uh, they're going to have a ton of momentum going into 2022. So, uh, yeah, man, I think... That- <clears throat> Listen, the UFC have always got stars. They've they always, always got people them, that, that can they? push the needle. Yeah, absolutely. Every time you think it's done, I remember the days of Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture, and you're like, oh, yeah. what's going to happen after that? You, They always find another star. They do. So yeah. I'm sure they're going to do that in 2022 as well. Nick, it's been great, my man. Thank you very, very much. You've been Pleasure. listening to Final Extra, our end-of-year MMA special. You thank there to Nick Pete for joining me, and a massive thanks to everyone who has listened to the show this past year and downloaded the podcast too. Happy New Year to you all and roll on a really big 2022. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.